Amen. Thank you. Philippians chapter 4, while you're standing, what a joy it is to be here. I want to thank God for the preaching. My mind went back to June of 1996. I walked in the back doors of the Pleasant View Baptist Church for the first time of my life. Made the mistake of going and sitting on the front row. They preached against everything that I'd ever did in my life. Everything that I was doing and everything that I was going to do for the next 50 years. And I appreciate what God did in those meetings. And we need preaching like that. That ain't getting away men. See, that's the problem. We had uh, 50 young people on the altar and all the old people stayed in their pews while the invitation was going on. Amen. But I knew it'd get quiet right there. See, the problem, these teenagers love preaching. You can preach to them. It's that old mossy back mom and daddy don't want to hear it anymore. God help us. Amen. I'm not planning on being mean. I really do have a message of encouragement on my heart this afternoon. But I'm telling you, that just stirs me up. Had it not been for preaching like that, we'd have done been in a mess a long time ago. As the independent Baptist church, I don't like to refer to it as a movement because I didn't join a movement. Christ didn't die for a movement. He died for a church. Amen. And come to me after the service and I'll tell you the difference between a movement and a church. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. That's right. But uh, as an independent Baptist church, we're so far from where we need to be and where we should be that it's going to take a whole long time to get back to the shore to where we've drifted from. And it's my heart's desire, my heart's desire. That's why we, well, God told us to do it, but that's one of our motives in having our camp meeting back home is that there could be another place where we can have preaching that these young people can get some help in. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that old time Holy Ghost preaching. Amen. Well, let's pray for we read our text. Father, pray you bless this uh, uh, service again today. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for Brother uh, Gravely. Thank you, Lord, for this place, these people. Thank you, Lord, for the preaching we've heard. Lord, you've stirred my heart. Lord, I'm so easily provoked, Lord, just to really preach against everything. But today, I pray that you'd help me to follow you and follow your heart. You'd help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe I've got your mind on what you want me to do today. So I pray there'll be liberty and leadership. Thank you for Brother Bobby Barnes. Lord, I pray you'd open up a hundred doors for him. I pray you'd let him preach every week of his life. I pray you'd double his love offerings. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd have more churches take him on for monthly support. I pray you'd breathe on him. I pray you'd keep him healthy. Lord, give him 50 more ministries in the ministry with the health that he's got right now. Lord, we'll bless you. Pray you'd bless his precious wife. You'd heal her. Lord, you'd help her to overcome her physical infirmities. And we'll glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Probably going to read more scripture this afternoon. Some of you have read in a month. But would you please bear with me in a lengthy portion of Bible reading. Chapter number 4, verse number 11, the Bible said not that I speak in respect of what? For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Now if I read more scripture than you read in a month, get right with God. I love the book of Philippians. 
Bear with me just for a minute as I try to explain myself. It seems like to me it's a little bit of a backwards book. You go to chapter number one, we learn that the apostle Paul's laying down to take a stand. Verse 17, the Bible said that it was set for the defense of the gospel. That word set means to lay down outstretched. And if you know your Bible, it's courtroom terminology. And what Paul's saying is, he's saying, I've laid myself down on the judge's bench and I ain't a moving till I get what I need. And sometimes you just kind of lay down and say, I ain't a moving. I'm staying with God and staying with the old time way and I'm not moving. Seems a little bit backwards to me, but there it is. Chapter 2, we learn that God becomes man. Now, that one still gets over my mind. I'd have to quote Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher of days gone by, when he said, Brethren, I believe I've waded out into the deep tonight, for I've seen no shore and there's still no bottom. I know the subject of what I'm swimming in today. And when I talk about the incarnation of God, how that God became man, it goes over my head quick. But the thing that I don't understand, amen, as good as I want to, he didn't come necessarily as a king. He came as a servant. Kind of backwards to me, but that's what happened. Chapter number three, Paul testifies about his saving grace of God, what he used to be, and it looks like to me that God had reached down in the pit and saved the apostle Paul. And it looks like God has taken the worst and made the best out of it. Amen. God didn't go looking for that clean clay. He went for that clay that was way down there in the mire. And Paul got saved by the grace of God. And it seems to me that God would look other ways and other places to find those that would save that maybe was a little bit better and a little bit cleaner but he goes after a a Christian hating, a Christian killing, a a Judaizer that's shutting down the work of God, reaches down and takes him out of the hands of Satan and saves him by the grace of God. God says I'm going to take the worst and I'm going to make the best out of it. Paul got so saved by the grace of God that his friends when he got saved and those Judaizers uh, when he repented and believed the gospel uh, and when he saw the light, uh, he got so saved they called him uh, the Judas of Judaism. Uh, They said he's a traitor. He's a turncoat. I don't care what the world's got to say. They can call us a traitor and a turncoat. I don't want the world I don't approve of what God did for me when he reached further down that I can reach up and say my never dying soul. God took the worst and made the best out of it. I very well remember where I was when Jesus saved me. Liquor on my breath, beer in the back of my truck on my way to a party. Amen. God providentially sent somebody by my house to tell me that they're having church. The only reason I went to church that night is because the women were cooking and I'd ate that food before and it was good. And when I went in, the Holy Ghost got a hold of my heart and those men of God preached against everything I'd ever done and I got under conviction and I got saved. Saved, saved, saved by the grace of God. 
Why God would even look our way, I don't know, but he does. Seems a little backwards to me. Well, then we come to our text tonight. Paul, learning contentment. This is a prison epistle. Now, there's three schools of thought. You can pick anyone you want. I don't care. And say that he may have been in the bottom of Caesar's palace. Could have been in one of the outer court prisons or quite possibly he could have been renting his own house with a Roman soldier chained to him 24 hours a day. How would you like to have been that Roman soldier that was chained to the Apostle Paul? Amen. God has allowed Paul to go into prison. And there'll be times in our lives that we'll have these dungeon experiences and these prison experiences. And don't get upset. That was God's way of protecting the Apostle Paul. He didn't know what kind of kamikaze outfit was going to come after him and try to shut that message down and try to shut him up. But God put him in jail. Uh, probably to keep him from getting killed uh, or getting hurt uh, and God uh, protected him amen I can't help but think about our, our good buddy old Joseph uh, over in the Old Testament uh, they threw him in the pit and sold him into slavery he ends up in prison uh, uh, neighbor that was uh, uh, for the saving of his life uh, for they'd have their way uh, uh, to begin with uh, uh, he'd have been dead uh, uh, but God in his mercy uh, let the brethren sell him out uh, and it's saved his life. Paul said, whatsoever state I'm in. He wasn't talking about Georgia. He wasn't talking about North Carolina. Our good friends from California are gone, but thank God it wasn't California. No matter what state you go to hell from, it'll be bad enough. But he's talking to the born again believer and the state. So Paul, as far as I'm concerned, is as low as he could probably get. But he's not showing it. Paul's on the bottom! Why do I have to be chained to this prisoner? Why do I have to be in prison? What in the world's going on in my life? Paul's on the bottom of it. Instead of letting the bottom get the best of him and the bottom suffocating him up, the apostle Paul found a way to stay on top of that mess. And for a little while today, I'd like to preach on this subject, how to stay on top of the bottom. Neighbor, you may get low, but it ain't got to get the best of you. You ain't got to get discouraged. You ain't got to stay defeated. You can have joy. You can rejoice. You can have victory. Thank God I'm glad that God has made a way that we can overcome and we can stay on top of the bottom. Five simple things and I'm done this afternoon. Number one, if you're going to stay on top of the bottom, you're going to have to pray till you get an answer. This is going to be so simple. I, can I quote Brother Stennett Blue right here? This is going to be so simple. Even John Morgan can preach it, all right? Amen. Uh, uh, you'll get that in a minute. Uh, but you're just going to have to pray till you get an answer. Uh, Paul didn't get in there and quit praying. You know what he did? He called on God. Amen. I'm glad you can go to your prayer closet and you can get a hold of God. And an old boy one time said, John, I hear you talk about getting a hold of God. How will I know when I got a hold of God? I said, good neighbor, 
He'll get a hold of you so good. You won't have to ask your mama. You won't have to ask your daddy. You won't have to ask your preacher. I'm glad we've got a prayer answering God. I'm glad we can go another secret place and get our prayers before God. And God answer our prayer. Uh, time had failed me to tell you of every prayer that I've ever prayed or you've ever prayed. As some of us on this platform, God has allowed us together to pray the cancer right out of some of your own children. Pray the devil right out of some of your own church. Pray the devil away from your kids. I pray revival meeting down. I pray conviction in. I pray sinners saved by the grace of God. Brother John, I don't believe that. You're wasting your time trying to tell me. You might as well argue with a stop sign. He's a prayer answering God. Thank God he answers prayer. If I ever told you precious people about the first prayer that God ever answered for me, I can't quote it verbatim, but I can get so close it ain't even funny. It went a little bit just like this. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I'm lost. I know where in the Bible does it say you ask God to come in your heart, but I didn't know that, so I just went ahead and done it anyways. And I said, Jesus, would you come in my heart? In Jesus' name I pray. And do you know what God did that day, Brother Andrews? He came in. He came into the phone room of my heart, looked the devil in his God-given eyeballs, and said, you're sitting in my seat. Grabbed him by the goose and pulled him out. Got in the throne of my heart and been sitting there for 26 years. Thank God is good. I, I don't know that God, thank God answers prayer. He said, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. He said, he would men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. He said, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. God's a prayer answering God. Amen. I tell you, that's the weakest link in our Baptist churches right now is our prayer time. Amen. I, I, I ain't got time to tell all of them. But I was thinking last night, meditating over this message. Amen, boy, we was over there at the Walters Grove. Baptist Church, I don't know, three or four years ago, I went to the pastor, Brother Simpson. I said, do you have a church role? He said, yes. I said, could you get it for us on paper? He printed me out a copy. He already had a copy. We met every morning at 10 o'clock and prayed over that list, called every name on that list. One night conviction came. He said, oh boy, they'd been praying for 30 years. You know who it is. Got on an altar and called on God and got saved by the grace of God. Neighbor it works. Amen. We've seen uh, Brother Grant and I. We've seen God answer prayer. He prays. He answers prayer. When's the last time you had enough and you couldn't take any more and you went to your secret place and you said God had a coming out and I've heard from heaven and you came out singing I've just heard from heaven and it's alright now. I'm not going to labor this point. I don't really feel impressed with God. This is where I need to preach, but may I remind you, he still answers prayer. Amen, Amen to God. 
Oh, it, it's for this life. It ought to be from one prayer to the next. Oh, man, you, some of you, you used to have a victorious prayer life. You prayed and you watched God answer your prayer, but some words along the line, you got sin in your life. It's unconfessed. Hey, some of you preachers, can I just give you a clue? Just a good piece of advice. I, I want to be your friend. That's evangelist. We need meetings. We need the offerings. But I ain't going to compromise and get them, all right? And I ain't going to tiptoe through the tithers to get it, all right? And I ain't going to be a jerk at the same time. But I've had preachers call me up and say, Brother John, pray for me. Seems like my preaching has been dead for the last year. Hey, Brother John, pray for us. Our church is needing revival. And in my mind, I'm saying I ain't got it in my suitcase. What do you think? I'm some kind of magic evangelist who could just come and make everything all right. I told one boy one time, I said, your preaching ain't never going to exceed your prayer life. Your ministry ain't never going to exceed your prayer life. I tell you, if you don't get on your knees and get consistent Call it on time. What you got's going to be dead. You just well shake your head up and down or say amen one. Amen. You sit there like Elijah the wooden Indian. We'll know who you are. Amen. I'm telling you, you got to pray. You got to pray over your Sunday school class. Pray over your children. Pray over your messages. Pray over God. Hey, how many of you preachers do this? Hey, man, when it comes time to study, not Saturday night at midnight. I'm talking about third Wednesday night after you get done with the Wednesday night message. All right, Lord, I got two to get ready for for Sunday. Hey, man, Lord, what do you want me to preach on Sunday morning? What do you want me to preach on Sunday night? Hey, man, how many of us evangelists when we get done preaching on Monday night it's on our knees saying Lord it sure would be nice to get direction I'd love to have something fresh but if you don't give it to me put a fresh touch on an old message we need to know we need the mind of God I'm telling you we got a generation of preachers that all you do is what you think's going to be alright oh well we need to recommend this preacher over here this church because it's going to make a good fit Oh, we need to preach this message because I believe it's going to help my church. I understand God will put a shepherding heart in a pastor. There may be some of that. And I'm going to tell you right now, we better get back to the days when the man of God gets in the pulpit knowing that he's got orders from a land that's fairer than day, preaching the freshest thing on his heart, preaching what God put there. Amen. If you're going to, I got sidetracked. Y'all forgive me. But I'll tell you, if you're going to stay on top of the bottom, neighbor, you've got to pray. If we didn't have another message this week, after today, there's four more services. If we didn't have another message, if we didn't have another song, and all we did was got around these altars and called on God, it'd be all right. We used to pray in the prayer rooms at the camp meetings. You go to Faith Baptist camp, man, we'd be, the prayer room would be full. We'd go over there to place a view up there in that up there in that building between the old building and the new building. Hey, God, that building would be full of man sound like a pack of coon dogs or bear dogs. We'd been there calling on God. Many a time I've knelt beside Brother uh, Sammy Allen or Brother Larry Raines and we prayed together and watched God do a divine work. Hey neighbor, that's why our churches can't get past a defeat. If something happens, you're gonna have to pray your way through it. Hey man, I tell you, every vehicle I've got. Now don't laugh at me, but every vehicle except for one and that's the one my wife drives right now every vehicle I've ever owned I've some way somehow got it stuck <laughs> ain't you oh no well you ain't living where we're living right I hate getting stuck don't you 
I thought about this last night. I just tell my daughter, she called me up about six months ago, ice on the road. Hey, man, she got our van stuck. She's going over to the neighbor's house. Hey, man, I didn't have no business going up that driveway. I don't know what in the world's wrong with her. And man, they called me up and said, well, Daddy, we got the van stuck. I said, what in the world? Is your, where's your brain at? Where? How, how come you going to do this? Hey, man, I'm getting ill and iller and iller by the minute. And the icing on the cake was when I got there, they got in another vehicle and went to do what they was going to do and go have their little old fun time and leave daddy there with a shovel and a stuck van. Amen. I got to thinking about that last night. Amen. And I, I, it's going to come around. This just ain't something I'm saying. Hey, right? man, so I had to go get me a shovel. And brother, I'm telling you, I got to shoveling that ice. Not only did I have to shovel it, I had to beat the ice. I'd get about six foot beat out. I'd get in the van. I'd pull it up and it'd slide back down. I'd get out and shovel more. I'd get madder and madder by the second. I couldn't put a chain to it. I couldn't put a, I'd call a tow truck. I was too tight to spend the money. And I didn't want to go get my big truck and get it stuck to it. Says me and that shovel in that van. My wife's over there trying to encourage me. I finally said now would be a good time for you to go somewhere over yonder and pray for your husband. I don't need the encouragement. Just leave me alone. Have you ever got that way in your ministry? You didn't want nobody patting you on the back. You didn't want nobody helping you out. You didn't want nobody as advice. You didn't want nobody's sympathy. You didn't want him at all. And brother, I made my mind up. Come hell or high water, that van was coming out of that ditch. So I finally got it. I burnt half a rubber off both tires, but I finally got it. Brother, I tell you, when I got that van out of that ditch, every ill feeling I had toward my sweet baby daughter, every ill feeling I had toward my wife, every ill feeling I had toward that bad decision to do that, it just kind of grew wings and flew off. You want to know why? Because we got it out of the ditch. There was a sense of accomplishment. And brother, I'm telling you, they ain't nothing like, amen, when you get stuck in your life, amen, going along and getting along with God and praying to God moves. That's got a way of taking the ill feelings out when he shows up after what you got stuck and he pulls that chain out and he hooks to you and he said, hey, you've been in there long enough. I believe I'll pull you out. Great God, ain't it great to know that God hears the cries. Uh, you got it. Man, this ain't the message, but I'm having a good time putting her out there. Pray till you get an answer. That smart aleck deacon go by you at the back of the church every Sunday and said, well, if I know you was going to preach that long, I'd have brought me a sandwich. You know what I'd do? I'd look at him and say, bring two up next Sunday. We both have something to eat, all right? Amen to God. I've been there. Walk out the back door. Maybe one day you'll learn how to preach. I just look back and say, maybe one day you'll learn how to listen and how to live. And preaching won't bother you anymore. I've just got to be myself, all right? Thank God, yes. Hey, pray through it. I pray through that old mossy back deacon. I pray through that old Jezebel. I pray through that lost family member. I pray that prodigal back in. I pray that husband back in. I pray that mama back in. I pray that daddy back in. Thank God I tell you, the best thing you can do is when you're on the altar praying for your lost family. Here's what you do. When you pray in your lost family in, Here's what you do. Don't stare at the pulpit. Don't stare at the floor. Turn around and look at the back door. <laughs> Say, Lord, 
and I'm gonna watch it till it flies open. Maybe they'll come flying in tonight. Maybe they'll come get rabbit gobbled tonight. Amen. Well, my mama didn't get saved yesterday. Hey, tomorrow's on its way. Hey, they still hope. Hey, I've been praying it for 26 years. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hey, God, there may be a miracle in the making for you. Under God. I'm getting ahead of myself. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praise. And at midnight, you know what midnight was, Brother Floor? Tomorrow finally got here. <laughs> Boys, we've had a bad day today. Got the flesh beat off our backs. But at least it ain't today anymore. We got tomorrow. <laughs> You can get over it. That's good and you know it is. Amen. Oh, I had a bad day today. Well, tomorrow's coming. And the, hey, weeping man, I can hear old Brother Rain saying it now, Brother Doug. I've heard him quoted a hundred times. Weeping man, dear for a night. But joy, thank God, joy, coming in the morning. Hey, it ain't always going to be like this. It ain't always going to be dark. It ain't always going to be hurt. Thank God, hallelujah. Thank God, joy. God's coming in the morning. Let's go, number two. Pray again and answer. Number two, pay attention to those who are getting help because of your hurt. He chapter one, he said, many of the brethren waxing confident by my bonds. He said, there's a group of people actually getting fired up because I'm in jail. <laughs> hey, the, hey, there's some brethren, they, they're actually reading more of their Bible because I'm in jail. There's a group praying more because I'm in jail. There's a group rejoicing more because I'm in jail. Hey, brother, when you're going through whatever you got to go through, we can watch you, amen, and shout the victory and stay with God, amen, and we can get help because you're hurt and when you hurt it's helping somebody else oh, you say I don't believe that well I got one Bible illustration of somebody's hurt that brought help y'all may have heard of him He's all the way from heaven, born of a virgin, lived 33 and a half years, died on an old rugged cross. Amen. Three days later up from the grave he arose. The Bible said, by his stripes, we are healed. And the hurt of Jesus Christ has helped my soul. Saved us out of hell. Saved us out of jail. Saved us from the fire of God. Saved, saved, saved. Saved because of somebody else's hurt. I don't call nobody's name. These people in here, oh Lord. Well, I just say it'd be all right. I ain't gonna call her name. I ain't gonna I've been to the graveyard. I didn't know what to tell you. I've never been where you've been. With all due respect, I don't. But I know the day may come. I didn't, I had all these wonderful verses, all these wonderful sayings that, you know, you go up, you're going to hold that old saint of God's hand, withered up with cancer. You got Psalms 23, you're going through the hospital and you got your Bible under your arm and boy, and the preacher's coming in, everything's going to be all right. When you walk through the room, everything you got grows wings and fly away. Woo! 
I'm going to tell you the best thing you can do in times like that is just be there, have a dry shoulder for somebody to, to cry on. Amen. And your hurt has helped me. I've watched them shout in funerals. I've watched them raise their hands. That's what's so peculiar about us. As Peter said, we're peculiar people. Looks like a worse it hurts. The louder we shout and the more we run and the more we go with God. Now I got I got to give you this. Who's getting help because of Paul's hurt? The brethren. How many of y'all today? He just, he just got the flesh beat off his back. And this is, this is coming from that prison experience to the church at Philippi. And I know it's been some time past, but it, it kind of originated right in there somewhere. And how many of y'all are getting help today? Not because it's me preaching, but because of what's being preached that happened 2,000 years ago. You, oh, glory to God. Paul, I know it hurt down yonder one day when you got to heaven. God wiped that eternal save on. Hey, man, got that glorified body. Ain't a scar on him. Ain't a scratch on him. I, I guarantee you what Paul say. Yeah, it hurt while I was down here, but it's worth every mile. It's worth every trial. It's worth every heartache. It's worth every hilltop. Hey, pay attention. There's somebody watching you. You go through a hard time. I've watched you. I've watched you go through hard times. And I've watched your brethren go through times that I thought on to God. I hope they make it out. Me and my bride go get in our prayer closet. God help them to pull through. God help them to make it. Amen. The next time you get around them, they got the touch of God and the anointing of God. And their heart has helped us. Okay. The Philippian jailer got born again right after he washed the stripes of the Apostle Paul Amen. back. That's right. Paul, I don't know. I can see him over. Boy, it's bad, Paul. Let me get that for you, Paul. That's all for old Silas. Let me help you out. That's awful rough. I don't know what you always doing is preaching the gospel. I mean, I know that girl got on my nerves and on the reason I cast the devil out of her is because she's aggravating me. Read the text. It's in there. He was grieved with her. Hey, but you better watch doing the right thing with a bad spirit. You're liable to get the flesh beat off your back. Can I get an amen right there? Oh, how many times have we been guilty of doing that? Oh, but let me move on. Hey, man, he said you can be saved. Your whole house can be saved. But not only that, this is where the church, the Bible said by his stripes we are healed. And those stripes, they bought a church. Is that right? They, the blood purchased the church. But now Paul is being Christ-like. And with his stripes, he's not buying a church. He's not birthing a church. But he's starting one. Amen or not. Now whether that makes any sense at all, I thought it was good. The church born out of adversity. I got to hurry up. Pay attention to those who are getting help because you're hurt. Bless his holy name. Lydia, the brethren, all of them. Amen. Nextly, simple. I told you, simple preaching. If you'll stay on top of the bottom, you're going to have to pattern your life after Christ. Amen. Chapter 2. Dear brother, preached on it. Uh, all the messages are running again. It may have been three weeks ago, Brother Florida, you preached on Philippians. I can't remember. It was this morning, wasn't it? You know, we don't, I think so. Chapter 2, buddy. 
pattern. Oh, I'm going to be like Christ. Okay, what part of Christ do you want to be like? You're going to have the rod sitting on the throne with a crown on your head? Is that, is that the way you want to be? We're going to be like John the Beloved when he come off the mountain of transfiguration wanting to call fire out of heaven. You'd have thought Jesus or Moses would have rubbed off on him. But Elijah has rubbed off on one of the most tender-spirited disciples that Jesus had. And now old John laid his head on the bosom and the breast of Jesus Christ is wanting to call fire out of heaven and send every one of them to hell. Let's go ahead and put them in hell! No. You want to be that part of Christ that's the judger? Do you want to be what Paul says in our book here, Philippians, the servant? You want to be a real servant? Can I give you three simple, quick, briefly things? I'm not even going to read the verses. Verse 7, the Bible said, well, I need to, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon him a former servant. If you want to be a real servant, you're going to have to live without no reputation. Amen. See, that's that self-promoting. Right. Oh, take a picture of myself. Oh, I'm an evangelist. You need to book me for a meeting. I mean, some of these guys might as well just go ahead and get that bold. Hey, brother, I'm off next week. Thank you, have you? Oh, I'm sorry. Some of them are that bold bunch of... You know what we call people like that where I come from? Dipsticks, okay? <laughs> oh, I won't be the most controversial evangelist. We went through that stage, did we not? <laughs> oh, help me not to say it. I won't be the most controversial. I'm going to be... I want to be the most biblical. I want to be the glory preacher. I want to be this. I want to be the. I want to be known as the man that passes out more tracts than anybody on planet. I told. I told God this week. I said, Lord, you know how bad I want to preach in this meeting. And if you're a preacher in here and you don't want to preach, there's something wrong with you. I ain't never been to a funeral, a wedding, a nursing home. I ain't never been one that I didn't want to preach. I, I, yeah. You mean, you mean you come up in every service at this meeting? I moderate a meeting to God be the glory. I don't set pride. I don't preach. I don't take a text. But there ain't a service in that meeting I don't want to preach. It's in us. I told God, I said, Lord, help my motive to be right. I want to come get close to you, whether I preach or not. And brethren, if we'd start coming to these meetings with the motive that we've come to worship, wouldn't have none of this preacher jealousy, competition junk. Amen. You've got to get that reputation. Oh, I'm going to be the loudest. I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that's standing up. That, that's my style. Is a wide open letter. That's me. But I love that quiet guy that's got God dripping off of him. He got something to say. But that we're not doing, I don't spit and slobber to build a reputation. We're to have a testimony, not a reputation. You quit building your reputation and start getting people to God and exalting Christ. You're going to be a real servant, then there's going to be no rebuke. He said that you be without harmless, the sons of God, without rebuking the midst of a crooked, perverse nation. Then we go on, and the Bible said, talking about that dear brother Ephroditus, I think it was, he said, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. He uh, had no regard for his life. You're going to be a real servant? You're going to have to get to where everybody else matters, and you don't. Real joy. Jesus, others, and you. 
pattern your life after Christ. That's that to me. To me, that is that is, that is that is the utopia, the zenith, the pinnacle of the mountain. Is as we become servants and humble ourselves, we be more Christ-like. Yes. Chapter four, verse four. Rejoice the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You can call for a pianist. My time's almost done. If you're going to stay on top of the bottom, rejoice in the Lord always. Praise Him always. Rejoice in the Lord always. That, that always. Praise Him all along the way. Did you get that? Praise Him all along the way. Whether the bills are paid or not, praise Him. Whether you got money or not, praise Him. Whether the church is going good or not, praise Him. Whether you're having liberty or not, praise Him. There's never a wrong time to praise God. If you're going to stay on top of it, worship God. Number five, Brother Daniel, you can begin playing, please. Don't break under the pressure. There's pressure to compromise, pressure to quit. Pressure. Never been there. Sometimes we'll even pressure each other and not realize we're doing it. Don't break under the pressure. And lastly, and I'm done. This is it. Verse six, he said, be careful for nothing. Verse 5, he said, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. One of the definitions in that word moderation is patience. Be patient. I quote Dr. James. See, if you get, if you get your heart right, you fall in love with God, and you come to these meetings, you won't have to write down what these preachers are saying. At least 24 years ago, Dr. James Jones Jr. was play, pre preaching at the Pleasant View Baptist Camp meeting. And he quoted his favorite Bible college teacher. I think it was Brother McCormick, if that's his name, I'll have to ask. But he said, just because you don't understand it today, don't mean you won't understand it tomorrow. See, we're impatient. I'm not trying to be funny right here, but you might be like my daddy. I asked him for years, Daddy, ain't you got no patience? Finally, one day he looked at me and he said, Son, I'm not a doctor. I don't need any patience. And he wasn't joking. He meant every word of it. We want it right now. Tell it, brother. Tell it. Hey, some of you in here, you're of age. Young man, we're standing every head bowed, every eye closed. As a young man, I asked him the other day, I think he told me he was 30. I asked him yesterday, he's in this building. I wouldn't call his name or embarrass him for nothing. I said, you got married yet? He said, no. Be patient. God will send the right one along. Young lady, be patient. Hey, it's hard, Sister Lori, it's hard. I pray for you and the girls home every day of my life. It's hard to get them girls and you have them six, seven, eight months and they're about to get out of the program of God. They still ain't let God work in their heart. Boy, you got to have some patience. You're going you to stay on top of it. you got to be patient. Father, these are coming. Thank you for them. Lord, they've been great, 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 great liberty. Maybe some of the best liberty I've ever had preaching in this meeting. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God be a touch. Somebody.
me up hearts. Pray burn the message in our hearts. We bless you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Every hit, bat, every eye closed, we're praying all over the building.